0: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. One, two, three, four.
2: Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Clip City podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers Beat Writer for The Athletic. This is a breaking news edition. Uh, just in, Ty Lue is going to replace Doc Rivers as the new coach of the LA Clippers. He is signing a five-year deal to join me to break down this news. Mo Dekeel, frequent podcast guest, basically my co-host at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've said that the last like four times. You've been on, uh, Mo. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, my man. I'm doing well. How about yourself?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, two days until my birthday. Uh no, so happy birthday. A the, fellow Libra. You, you, you Libra and gang. I are both
1: you and I are Libras. Let's roll. The
2: the, the best sign for sure. Um n- that's an unbiased take. It's it's actually statistically proven. Um if you, very if you factual. Look, if you look up the uh the P E R and and Vorp and uh We're plus the best. Minus. Let's just leave yeah. it at that. Okay. We're
1: the best. Sorry, guys. Everybody else, y'all are playing the <laughs>
2: Um but the Tyloo. So you know, th- th- this is someone that um, you know, in, in conversations I had had, um, you know, around the the Doc Rivers departure, um, you know, the, the way it was described to me, what, what the Clippers were looking for was a high level game strategist, someone who was really good at making in-game adjustments, um, someone who was a really good planner and, and strategist, but also someone who could embolden and develop young players, someone who could Maintain that gritty identity the Clippers had had the two prior years to this past one, um, as well as inserting some fun and some joy and uh, almost kind of elements of Golden State, where you know you could tell um, at that team's peak they loved playing with one another uh, and you know we're having a lot of fun. So um, you know th- that's a bit of a, a tricky list. You know it's hard to find a candidate that checks all those boxes, um, but one thing that I thought was interesting was they had said, well, you know, that would potentially include a first year head coach. Like if you look at some of the more recent head coaching successes, Steve Kerr, Ty Lu, Nick Nurse, those coaches entered high pressure situations with, with teams that had kind of been on that cusp, but hadn't gotten over the hump and, and you know, won in their first year. Um, so it, it's you know, coincidental, ironic, whatever word you want to use, that the Clippers had that candidate in-house in Ty Lue, you know, someone who is the model for that first-year coach, and they ended up going in, in this direction.
1: Yeah, I I push back a little bit on the first-year head coach immediate success stuff, uh, especially with Steve Kerr, because that wasn't a team people expected to win a championship that year. That's fair. I think that's our, fair. Our, 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 only, our own Ethan Strauss was the guy who kind of – uh, was the lone predictor I think of that back in the day. Well, and I, um, I would even
2: I would even say Toronto too. Like they, it, well, they weren't the favorites heading into they, they weren't even the East favorites heading into that season.
1: Right. And I think you know, but people were kind of interested with Kawhi and stuff like that. But he'd also been on the staff and that's the same thing with Ty Lu. He was on the staff. Mm-hmm. They let go of David Blatt in season and he just kind of got elevated and from there it grew and developed. So you know I, I, I push back on that notion. But ultimately, from the very beginning, I think we even said this, Yovan, when we did the the last emergency podcast I was on with you when they fired Doc Rivers, was, you know, Ty Lue is the only logical choice. Like there to me, it just didn't feel like anybody else was better situated to handle this job because it's it's a great job and a terrible job at the same time because it's great because of the talent, you have bomber, great owner, all the resources you can possibly need. Your expectations is to win a championship next year. Plain and simple. It's not come close, not make a conference finals. It's win the freaking championship next year. And that's tough for any coach to walk into, uh, let alone a first-year coach. So for me, it made sense because this is actually exactly what Ty Lu walked into in Cleveland.
2: That, that that's fair. I mean, this is my podcast, so you're not supposed to disagree with me. But I, I will give you that. <laughs> hey man,
1: I ain't no yes man. That's the reason why I ain't no yes man.
2: <laughs> See, you maybe you should be the, the Clippers' next head coach. Um, so one thing you know, because I, I was digging. I actually had a story that was about to publish right before this news dropped. Uh, that was looking into the the six candidates that had been uh, re- reported with the Clippers. Obviously, Ty Lue. Uh, but Sam Cassell, Jeff Van Gundy, Darvin Ham, uh, Mike Brown, uh, and uh, Wes soul Jr. And, and kind of going into, um, you know, their coaching records and and, and just kind of their backgrounds and, and why they would make sense with the Clippers. And looking into Ty Lu, like, I, I think we forget how successful he was in that Cleveland stint. Um, you know, three straight finals, won a championship in his first year. Um had Kevin Durant not gone to golden State you know potentially back-to-back champions in Cleveland um and then at that point you, you know you, you think he probably stays there uh you know or, or just jumps into immediately whatever job he wants um if you're a back-to-back champion but um I think you know we it kind of got lost in, in in just sort of I think you know he, he was out of coaching um you know last season and uh the, then this season as assistant coach and you know, I think we, we saw the, the success that Frank Vogel had so that, you know, the, the Lakers situation, he was the favorite last summer. But, but then Frank Vogel ended up getting the gig and, um, you know, they won the title. So you're not really thinking about, you know, what Ty Lu could have done there. But on paper, um, you know, in his three full seasons, the Cavs had a top five offense. Um, you know, some of the things I really like about Ty are, um, you know, looking at the way he, he did things in Cleveland. Like. That team played, you know, pretty modern basketball. Uh, if you, if you look at three point attempts, three point rate, they were up there with with Houston, with with Golden State. Um, you know, he he downsized and, and played small ball with LeBron at the four, which isn't really small ball, but didn't really always get in that that, that buy in from LeBron. Uh, even going back to like Miami. Um, You know, he he always kind of wanted another wing there to play the four. Um, So got LeBron to play the four a bit. Also, you know, went small with Richard Jefferson. And and then I think something that kind of applies to the Clippers moving forward is he he got guys to sacrifice and buy into their roles. And looking at a guy like Kevin Love, um, you know, there were situations in, in key moments in the playoffs where he wasn't on the court because it was just like, Hey, like we're, we're going to go with, with Tristan and we're going to go with Richard and, and you know, we're, we're going to go more mobile and, and more defensive minded. And, um you know, to have your your third best guy, uh, a guy who was a perennial all star, um be able to buy into that uh, to, to some extent, at least like I, I think that shows. Ty can, you know, he, he's not going to fully cater to the players. And I, I think that was obviously an issue for the Clippers this season um, and in the past. And, um, you know, maybe that why, that, that's why Doc has been such a player-friendly coach. And, and there are some pros to that approach. But it, it does seem like Ty is willing to um, do what's best for the team, even if it's not necessarily the most popular decision.
1: No, you're not going to be able to get Ty to do – Coach Lou is going to do what he wants to do. You know, if he thinks this is the right way to win, he's going to do what he needs to do, and it's not a matter of, you know, he he's going to worry. I mean, he's another guy who's not a yes man, Jovan. Him and I, <laughs> we both have that in common. Uh, no, I th- I think he's a great hire in the sense of everything. You know, like you you highlighted. I think he's going to be good with rotations. I think he's going to find opportunities there. I think he's going to open the door for a lot of other guys. I think it's going to be a very Good scenario. I think here's the thing: people often do this with a lot of coach guys who've won championships with LeBron. They just assume it was all LeBron and not the coach, you know. And 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 look, LeBron's pretty damn good. I I, I don't know if you've noticed that, but you know, the coach has something to do with it. And I think you, you know, Lou is one of those guys. I think he does a good job putting the right guys in at the right spots at the right time. I think he does a good job, sort of. Moving things around. I don't know if the offense is going to be the same because the, the, these guys are different, different players. Yeah, yeah, totally different personnel. But I trust him to f- find the right offense and to put it together. And and ultimately, I just think he's willing to experiment more than Doc was, and I think that's ultimately going to be what changes things for the Clippers. And
2: and that's that's really kind of what I was. Getting at, I think, with, with the points I was just making were, were that, you know, looking at the way some of the changes he made in, in Cleveland, um, I think he really optimized that roster. And, uh, you know, I, I think it is a similar situation. And, and, you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation with looking at, um, you know, what Steve Kerr did or what Nick Nurse did, um, you know, I, I think just kind of modernizing the the, the way those teams played. I think that's something that the Clippers could use. And, and that was something, you know, I wrote about and talked about all season. Like I, I felt they could have gone small more. They, they they could have tested those lineups at the five with Jermichael Green or, or Marcus Morris. They could have gone, um, you know, more minutes with Kawhi or PG at the four. Um, you know, they, they could have taken more threes, uh, you know, I. Uh, I keep forgetting the exact stat, but it was something like, you know, they were like 21 and four when when they shot over 35 threes this season. So um, I think there are a lot of, you know, if you can take those good things that he did in Cleveland and kind of apply it to this. And then obviously he's he's learned and, and doc even talked about it during the season. Like he was like, You know, because Ty was an assistant under him 2013, 2014, and then now again this past season. And and Doc said it was night and day, you know, seeing Ty's development in Cleveland and and being a head coach and then coming back and being an assistant in L.A. Like, you know, he was just a completely different person. So, um, you know, I I think one of the other keys here is that this was obviously something that was run by Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And and for those guys to have the blessing, uh, you know, of Ty, for, for them to be on board with him. I think that bodes well for next season, right? Because you you obviously had to get a candidate that those guys were on board with. And, um, you know, frankly, I I think just looking at the coaching market, it it wasn't a particularly great market, but I do think uh, Ty was, all things considered, the best candidate. You know, I I think you could maybe throw Mike Dantoni up there with him, but, um, you know, Dantoni obviously was not going to be a a match with this roster. So um, I really think, like, I, you know, I, even even if you're not the biggest fan of Tai Lu and you're listening to this, I really don't see a candidate that would have made more sense, um, given who was available uh, to our knowledge.
1: Yeah, and the other thing too, and you you touched on an interesting point and, and an important point is that he, he was an assistant there last year, and and those guys, you know, I'm sure definitely were consulted and and probably gave their approval. Most important thing is it doesn't take any time for him to have to figure out the locker room, the dynamics, who's what, and what's where and things like that. Like, you know, he has the institutional knowledge. You bring in a new coach who had nothing, you know, wasn't with the program at all last year. He's got to learn these guys all over for the first time. There's a learning curve to it, and that takes time. You don't have that with this team. This team, again, and and I'm going to hammer this point over and over again, high expectations to Mm. win a championship. This is very important. And for them, they're able to kind of just have a guy they know. Kawhi Leonard probably has a level of trust with him to what degree. I don't know. Same with Paul George. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out. But you, you made the other point. There wasn't a better coaching option. It was, you know, to me, it was, you know, when they fired Doc, it was Doc's the best coach available and that's obviously not an option for the Clippers. And then there's Ty Lue. Like, those mm-hmm. were the two top options. After that, I think, you know, you have, I think Stan Van Gundy could have been interesting. Yeah. And would have been interesting for this.
2: That's, a, yeah, that's, this. That, that's one that had developed in recent days in New Orleans that, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't take it seriously and, until those reports happened because I had seen some, some of Clippers Twitter floating that out there. Like, you know, why don't they just go get SVG? And it was like, you know, does he want to coach again? What what's going on? You know, he's been doing TNT and stuff, so um, I think he would have been a good candidate as well. But I, I do think, as of right now, Ty is probably the the better choice.
1: Yeah, and 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 it has nothing to do with Stan Van Gundy. It's just Ty's done it. Ty's done this exact thing. I keep saying this to people. He's come. He there wasn't a tougher job to take over. Than that Cleveland Cavaliers team that he mm-hmm. took over because they were already on top of the East. I forget what their record was, but they were already well, killing.
2: They had made the finals the year before,
1: right? And and so the 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 prospects are you're, you. The only place to go up is win the championship, <laughs> and everything else is losing. You know, you didn't do anything different than David Blatt. Like that's a tough bar to meet, and he met it.
2: And I think two other aspects of that are, one, you had the 3-1 comeback against the Warriors, which, um, you know, that was circumstantial, right? You had the Draymond suspension, you had the Bogut injury, you had different stuff kind of go in Cleveland's favor in that series. But I I do think that, you know, it's almost the anti-Doc, right? Where it's like, you know, like there were so many red flags within Doc's coaching tenure in LA in terms of just the team collapsing and having chemistry issues and, um, you know, just basically I think either meeting or underachieving expectations, you know, rarely exceeding them, except for when they weren't actually a contending team uh, versus now Ty, like, uh, you know, if you just look at his immediate success in Cleveland and the playoff, the sustained playoff success where, um, you know, they ran through the East. And I, I know we, we can dissect like how, you know, the East was, Th- those were down years and and you know that there was no one on Cleveland's level and stuff. But like they still went out and did it. And, and that was something that even when Doc was in Boston, kind of going back, like if you look at his series, it was almost always you know six or seven game series. Like they they very rarely won in four or five games. So um I think you know just Ty having that three one you know comeback in his pocket and, and also having that Proven playoff success of like this is a guy that knows how to devise a game plan to go out and sweep a team to go out and win in five like consistently. Um, you know, again, I, I think that gets chalked up to LeBron and um, you know different kind of factors there. But but Ty is certainly a part of that. And, and I think really the the most under uh, you know analyzed under discussed thing with him is is just his level of. Uh, strategy and, and just who he is as a tech, uh, tactician. And, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of similar to Doc, where, you know, Doc gets the the, the player friendly um, tag. But I, I think in, in kind of in retrospect, you almost wonder, like, um, I actually think Doc is maybe overrated in, in that regard um, when looking at some of the chemistry stuff and, and then actually underrated as a tactician and, and you know, really good with, with X's and O's and his plays and stuff. So I, I think Ty is similar where Um, You know, this is a guy that, again, has had immediate success, very high level success, sustained success. Really, the only reason he's not in Cleveland is because LeBron left and he didn't want to be part of a rebuilding situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think we're in agreement here. Like he he clearly was the, the best choice once you really looked at it from all the different factors.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua di Joe Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com.
1: Yeah, and I think that's... That's a positive thing there. I think ultimately, like, you know, he, you're right. He doesn't get enough credit for how good he is as an X's and O's coach and things. And we tend to always kind of look at, at player coaches, guys who are former players, always like, oh, you know, but he's a player's coach because he used to play. No, they can also be damn good X's and O's guys. And he's one of them, you know, and I got to be up close with Ty in his first year as an assistant with Doc with the Clippers that thirteen fourteen season, and I knew then I said, "Man, Ty's a hell of a coach." You know, he put in the work. He was all over, you know, all over it defensively, and he was he was on top of it. So, honestly, for Clipper fans, I think this is a win. You know, they should feel very confident about it. And then the other thing too that's being reported, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Yovan, but I like Chauncey Billups coming in as the lead assistant.
2: Yeah, no, I so. Yeah, we we didn't get into, uh, so rest of his staff that's been reported um, per Shams Sharania of The Athletic, uh, Chauncey Billups, who was the Clippers' um, color commentator this this past season. Um, You know, obviously ESPN NBA analyst, Mr. Big Shot, uh, you know, 2004 finals MVP. uh, So he will be joining Ty's staff. And Larry Jew, uh, who is a a accomplished, uh, you know, assistant coach, head coach. Um, So I, I think, you know, those reading between the lines it, it seems like you know this is just speculation here like um, my guess is Sam Cassell is is not going to be back and will likely be joining Doc in Philly uh, but but that's pure speculation we'll we'll s- still kind of see how the um chips fall with that but uh what what are your quick thoughts on on Chauncey and and Larry Drew
1: Well first you know Larry Drew again comes in with a ton of experience both as a head coach and as a uh, uh, assistant coach was Ty's assistant in Cleveland. So that's big. I, I'm excited for Chauncey, you know, and I think this is a good opportunity for him. I listen, I have v- v- close ties with him from my time with the Clippers when he was there and him and I would talk a bunch. And I think he's, you know, excellent basketball mind. I think this is a guy, you know, that they could utilize here. And I think the, the ultimate thing he does, and I don't, it's kind of hard to describe because there's no tangible way. He just has a calming presence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. He doesn't. He can kind of just walk into the room and calm everything down, and 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 kind of get to guys and 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 really reach guys. I think this is going to be a great pickup for them. I think this is something too. This is going to. This is a step up job for him. I think eventually, you know, maybe as early as next season, he could be an NBA head coach. Uh, maybe two or three years down the road. But I think this is a a good hire for them. I think this is the guy as a lead assistant that can kind of learn a little bit on the job as an assistant coach, but also really help in the locker room, which is something I think they need. And, you know, I don't know about anything else. I I mean, I still feel like there's going to be more changes with this team.
2: Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I, I reported that in, in early October, um, which I guess we're in mid October. So like a week and a half ago uh, that, there's going to be changes to this rotation. Um, you know, The Clippers will not return the same nine, ten-man rotation that they had next season, um, I think. And that's kind of the next step here, and that's where maybe we can close this out. I do have one quick question for you um, before we get into kind of the rest of the offseason quickly and, and sort of the roster. Um, one thing that I think I saw fans talking about a lot with the whole tie situation you know, before the hiring was – you know this is a guy who was on doc's staff who who has been under doc twice um you know played for doc has had that you know close relationship with him uh, i think doc has is, is referred to him as like a son um you know in in uh prior interviews so uh, what's your take on on sort of that dynamic and and you know is it is there any disadvantage to bringing in, you know, as you said, and we've discussed, like he was on that staff last year and, you know, like are, are there any drawbacks to that Um, just in terms of he he was around w- with some of that funky chemistry stuff and, and some of the preferential treatment and different stuff. And obviously doc is the one running the show, but um, you know, d- d- I don't know. Like, how, how do you view that dynamic in terms of, um, you know, because this team it wasn't just they fell short and you know there was an injury or something, and that's why they lost. like there were fundamental issues in the locker room that, that he was a part of one way or the other. so, so how, how do you kind of view him stepping in and trying to address that as a previous assistant from, from the past season?
1: That only matters if the problems were with Tai Lu himself, you know, otherwise, you know as the assistant coach. You're just doing as your head coach tells you, you know, and, and, you know, I, am sure if they had a difference of opinions, I'm sure it happens. Every coaching staff does, you know, that probably happens in the coaches meetings. they doc decides the way they're forward and that's it. And that, and that's not allowed to be carried on to the court with the guys. You know, he can't be r- walking up to going to like, he can't be going to zoo going like, I'm telling doc, you should be getting more minutes over trez trez sucks or whatever. And that. <laughs> a complete hypothetical by the way folks before anybody comes at me for that kind of crap um but like just i I had nothing to do with that comment that was all mo it was him you should have seen the text (laughs) you guys should see the text you sense um (laughs) the uh um but like along those lines right if it's not he's not the one soaking those flames it's not on him to solve that Right. As the assistant coach, like that's the head coach's job. So, you know, I don't find it to be too much downside in that regard. It's just, you know, he knows what happened last year. He was there, you know, and, and you know, he knows that there there are probably some things he'd rather they did than than what Doc did, you know, and, and there'll be different ways he'll go about it. So I think ultimately I don't find it being very, da- very much a downside. I mean, we've seen this happen. I mean, hell. I mean, he's the example of doing it and winning a championship. We've seen guys, you know, uh, Lawrence Frank took over for Eddie Jordan, you know, in in New Jersey and went to the finals. You know, we've we've seen this happen over time. So I don't I don't think there's a lot to draw in terms of a a negative aspect of it.
2: And then finally, with with the offseason, you know, we don't have to get into player by player, um, you know, rotation spot by rotation spot. But with what you know about Ty, is there a direction you can maybe see this roster going in more um, in terms of guys that kind of fit his principles and and his philosophy? And and maybe, um, you know, like we said, it's it's a different roster than Cleveland. You know, they they don't have LeBron James. They don't have a ball handler like Kyrie Irving. They don't have a all-star level big like Kevin Love. It's it's just a completely different roster. Um, But, you know, they, that, those teams did have a lot of shooters. Um, and uh, again, that was in part because of LeBron and, and just kind of the way they, they played. But, um, you know, I, I think that was those teams kind of loaded up on, on guards and wings and shooters. Um, and, and, you know, kind of the center spot was a little bit of an afterthought. It was really just Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. So, um, like, you know, is there anything we can glean from the past and, and maybe what we'll project either in terms of what moves the Clippers make or, or maybe, um, you know, Zavita Zubot's going to play more now. Is, is Landry Shamit going to have a potentially a bigger role? Like h- how do you see Ty impacting the current and or future roster?
1: I mean, he's definitely going to have a lot to say, but I don't know how much, you mm-hmm. know, I, and, and I, I still think this is going to be a Lawrence Frank's show to run. And in terms of bringing the pieces in, I think, you know, they're, there's was definitely, I'm sure they had conversations in these interviews, you know, about what's your rotation and what are you planning? Obviously, none of us were in there because none of us know, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I still think it's probably too early Ovon, to kind of start diving into it, you know, because I think they got a lot of good pieces. I think ultimately they probably need one more ball handler and, you know, and, and anybody who's, who's seen my appearances on here, I'm going to bang <laughs> the drum one more time and another big man. And that's, that's I think, yeah, well, you can boo it all you want. No, um, I,
2: I, I, I actually agree. I mean, I'll just, you know, I, I've beaten, I've beaten this drum as well. Like, I, I think they should probably replace the Montrezl Harrell spot in the rotation. I think looking at and C, like a guy like Serge Ibaka would be perfect. Um, then that gives you a, a potential small ball five to close, you know, to close, um, you know, right now you, you'd, Put Abaka over Zoo, uh, But I, I do think, you know, him coming off the bench kind of makes more sense with just sort of the lineup configuration. And, um, you know, there still are a bunch of seven footers in the league. So you, you probably want to start Zoo. But um, I, I think he would be kind of the guy uh, or Goran Dragic. Like either one of those two, I think, would really help um, this Clippers. I mean, Goran would maybe start over Pat, but, um,
1: you know. Oh, Pat, he definitely started yeah. over Pat. So,
2: uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think adding adding a point. I mean, the thing is, besides Goron, like I guess now Rondo is an option, but there really isn't any. Like, I mean, really, if you look at the point guard market, it's pretty barren. Um, and it's it's like not even, it's not even like mid tier backups. It's like low tier backups to like third string guys. Um, so you know the, the point guard situation is a bit of a mess if, if they can't get a Dragic or a Rondo or trade for someone, but um, there are some solid bigs out there, and I, I do think, um, again, uh, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, um, Derek Favors, uh, there are like those guys that you can maybe get for the mid level if they're willing to take a, a discount to play in LA, play for a contender, um, you know, ha- have a big role. Like, I think there are some guys that that make sense and, and would ultimately be an upgrade,
1: yeah, and. In terms of just the playmakers, they don't even need to have an amazing one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it, they just need to have a guy that can get them in the stuff, you know, almost like I mean, maybe like a, they probably need a guy better than this, but almost like a D.J. Augustine. Like they just they just need somebody that can get them in the offense and get them organized. And that's something that we, we really saw them lacking throughout the, the playoffs and really came back to bite them. So anything
2: else we didn't touch on here with, with Ty or um, any, anything else you could think of?
1: No, but I think they nailed it. I think this was the right hire. It's the right guy for the right job to me. I, I think they nailed it.
2: I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Mo, where can people listen to you? Where can they read your work? And, and where can they find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, well, I'm all over the athletic basketball podcast. I'm on the Nerd or she NBA show, which should be dropping uh, Friday morning. Uh, I'm the host of Brody and the Beard, so when we have breaking news like we did today with Daryl Morey, uh, I'm on that. You can find my writings on Bleacher Report and just follow me on Twitter, keel underscore M- NBA, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA.
2: As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha, that's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so by going to theathletic.com slash Google. Uh, We have currently some special $1 a month promotions, $1 a month. You can also subscribe off of Google, off of my Twitter. um, So definitely do so if you have not yet. Um, This podcast will be moving to breaking news editions or any significant updates with the team. So it will not be weekly moving forward uh, until next season. So be on the lookout whenever news happens. Um, you know the off season, the draft. Um, so probably be one more episode, I would say, around draft time, and, and then not until the off season kicks off. Sometime I would guess November, December. Um, so uh, if you have any questions for me, reach out on Twitter. I will always do my best to try to answer them. Or subscribe to the Athletic, and, and we have uh, biweekly live Q and A's with our subscribers. So. Uh, I I think in closing, the Clippers made the right move and I'm interested to see how the rest of the staff gets filled out and what moves they do from here.